is just a star, mate. Clearly on top for me. Arcadia Queen is running on. 200 to go. Russian Camelot has a race. Arcadia Queen coming at Russian Camelot. Russian Camelot, Arcadia Queen. Arcadia Queen first look at 2000 is going to turn over Russian Camelot. Arcadia Queen elected a quarter Russian Camelot. I remember watching it back thinking, this bike might be pretty smart, I reckon. Nivana Hood, but the autumn sun goes for the lead at the 200 metres, puts up a length and a half, two lengths, Vasilator, and extends the autumn sun, three or four lengths in front, a serious racehorse, the autumn sun, blazes in spring, burns in six lengths. G'day legends and welcome back to another episode of the Second Again Racing Podcast. We are down to day number four of the Spring Carnival. If anyone's still standing, is anyone still there with a pulse that could potentially join us <laughs> to this podcast? Jacko, Jacko had to dig me out of the ground to make sure that I was here and ready to do this podcast tonight. But I've got up, I've had my green smoothie, I'm ready to roll. Jacko, how are you, mate? Mate, I'm similar. Look, a bit of low on energy, a bit flat, as you said. Now we've got to sort of dig each other up and get off the canvas. It's definitely been a tough week punting-wise. I think I think I heard the guys on racing.com say that three out of 27 favourites got up. And we're not exactly favourite punters here, right? But if you just talk about global perspective, the actual week and how it's been, it's been pretty rough for more punters. And just chatting around to most of the guys that have been heavy on the punt this week, it definitely hasn't been one of the better ones. The beauty of it is we got one left, mate. It's time to hit back for Champions Day. We live to fight another day. And look, that's the beauty about punting in Australia. There is always something left to punt on. There really is. This, if, you, if you go on that sort of ordinary, you can go all the way to Ascot. Then you can go to Gish mm. is late at night. Gloucester Park goes till about midnight these days as well. So mm. plenty of opportunities to have a punt. Let's recap what... A, despite the punting, me and you are fans. We're fans of the game. We absolutely love the sport. There has been some just unbelievable moments throughout this week. Um, I think the group ones are always a real highlight. Seeing trainers like Bjorn Baker get a massive group one, like a Coolmore, really, really cool. And that's where I want to start. So Osmosis wins the Coolmore at $16, knocks off I'm Unstoppable, who was backed as if unstoppable into $5.50. Mm. And I thought, geez, this thing's going to have to win. I'm, I had to have something on because the weight of money was ridiculous. And they were very close to getting it right. And then obviously my tip in Shinzo ran third. Osmosis just out in front, did it tough, but just held on really. Yeah. Yeah. It's the Bjorn Baker recipe. Go forward, put yourself in the race and be hard to beat. And it's as simple as that. And when the other horses just aren't prepared as well, and they're not fit enough to go past you, you can just keep rolling along. And we saw that there, just a, a superb run. Well done to the team. I'm pretty sure Big Bjorn would have been on the source pretty heavy on the on the Saturday night. So if you bumped into him there, and I'm sure you would have had a sight, but well done to him. Congrats. He's obviously a trainer that's just chipping away and he's starting to pick up the big ones now, which is great to see. So well done to him. And you can't hop off those two miners that you said, Ned, the I'm Unstoppable and also Shinzo. They both run really well. Cylinder, obviously the big disappointment out of the race. I'll need to go back and check uh, Vets reports and just make sure that nothing has come out of that. But definitely a flat run might have just come to the end of the prep. Yeah, for sure. Now, I'll get to that. Actually, no, let's go through it now. So Flemington on the weekend, I we obviously both were in Sydney and there wasn't a ton of commentary that I heard about how the track was sort of playing, why it was playing so leaderish. But 
I managed to get some mail from some people that were down there. So what was happening was across the back section, the wind was behind the horses, right? And so all the jockeys decided, well, by the end of the day, some of the smart ones, including Declan Bates, who will cover in race eight, he decided to take off with the wind behind him, essentially, for that sort of midsection of the race and beginning of the race. Then by the time they got to the straight, the wind was absolutely smashing them in the face, but hoping yeah. he'd done enough work just to hang on. And to me, that, that takes some really astute jockeys and ballsy jockeys to do it. A lot of leaders won on Saturday. They did. Even if you look at the first two races with those Waterhouse runners that kept mm-hmm. going and found the front, Osmosis was a leader. Pride of Jenny, which we'll get to later in the day, was also a leader. So I think, correct, yeah, in combination with the wind, and that's a great point you bring up around, um, you know, how much that plays a role in terms of race speed and, and when you're able to get your opportunity to blend into the race, it plays a huge factor and probably isn't covered as much as it should be on punting previews, etc. Um, but yeah, great point. And I think as well, where the rail was positioned in the true position, that fresh ground most of the time was on the inside. We've seen gradually as they've pushed it out, they're getting further and further away from the fence. Yeah, for sure. Now the next group one, McDonald, he had a bit of a bridesmaid sort of third day up until this point, but he went home with a derby. Riff Rocket was un- obviously a very, very good win. A purely a You'd be feeling pretty stiff if you back this horse. I thought it was a very, very good run as well. Another five, five, six metres, the horse wins. I actually thought watching it live with 50 to go, it was going to get it. It was making some serious ground up. I was on sunset, so another third for me in the group one races. But Roof Rocket, Apulia, they were set out to be the two main sort of hopes in the race. And realistically, the class came to the floor. Yeah, for sure. And they were always the two in terms of the market as well. The support was there for both of them. It was like nothing else was ever a chance. And that definitely played out. And J-Mac was just the deciding factor in the end because his horse was dying on the run a little bit with the 50 to 40 metres to go. Zara's mount was getting stronger and stronger as the race progressed and looked like it might have got the bob coming back to the inside. But J-Mac knows where the post is every time, got the nose down at the perfect moment and got the job done. So Punters get up for that one. One of the very few favourites that got up on what's been a pretty bleak week so far in terms of punting. But uh, all on as J-Mac again and obviously picked up the Oaks today as well for good measure. Now, probably ride of the ride of Derby Day in terms of just having a horse that's probably the fifth or sixth best horse in a race and then using tactics to your advantage to win one. What we mentioned before about the wind and the way the track was playing, Declan Bates just played this to an absolute treat. This horse is a leader. It goes super. It, Pride of Jenny is who I'm talking about here in the Empire Rose. We saw at Mooney Valley a couple of weeks back when it faced Amelia's Jewel. Now, Amelia's Jewel, I'm happy to say, is a class above this horse. But the racing pattern and style that this horse has always puts in the race. We get $16 it was on the weekend. And the way the track was playing it, you almost feel a bit stupid for letting it run around at that price, don't you? Yeah, for sure. And what a superb ride, as you touched on, from Declan Bates. Outstanding. And we've got to mention the camp. They just continue to get better and better somehow. They're just a complete domination of the competition for the last couple of years now with them. So well done again. Um, Superb ride, as we say. And this horse just bounced back off that semi-flat run last time out. And you mentioned that run two back where she gave Amelia's Jewel a pretty big scare going around Mooney Valley. She was cherry ripe now, had that little freshen up in between that run where she was a little bit flat after that. 
and just was so fit, rock hard, ready to go. And she's now on the quick back up again this week. So looking forward to seeing her go around again. Then you sort of finished Derby Day. It was probably one of the worst days I've actually ever had on the punt, which is sort of actually saying quite a bit. I don't know if it was from a dollar value point of view, but I actually did feel a little bit stiff in terms of my punting. Mm. And you go to the Golden Eagle. Now, this was just horrific. Like, I <laughs> I saved on the winner. Like, I ended up square on the race. So, this is not talking out of the pocket. Well, maybe moderately because it would have been a much better result. But mm. Amelia's jewel, in my opinion, is one of the best things beat I maybe have seen. And who knows? Who knows what would have happened then? And it's absolute gut-wrencher. Listening to the jockey comments coming back to the sheds, the first thing Damien Lane said is that I'm lucky to come back alive back in the sheds. He just said, I'm happy to come back alive. So in all seriousness, that could have been a very, very scary incident. And the horse itself was very, very lucky to stay on its feet. Obviously getting the sandwich between Hawaii 5.0 and one of the other horses on the outside that wasn't going as well. Frosty was sort of stuck in that sort of in between where his horse was going so well that he couldn't step like sort of pull her back and hold her up to switch outside. But he also couldn't take the run because it simply wasn't there. So he really had nowhere to go, got squeezed up. And you could tell even from that front on vision, um, just from the stewards, that it just was ugly. And then you see the overhead vision where they're over the top, it looked even worse. So I'm just glad that everyone's okay out of that incident because that could have got a lot worse. But my pockets are certainly not okay after that, Ned. However, let's not forget that we gave the winner a very, very good push on the podcast. We tipped it on the tip sheets and we've also both had a good piece of the winner. So let's not forget about Josh Parr. We spoke about him being the ideal jockey booking for this ride because he wasn't going to be afraid to take that gap when it presented. He waited his time and stayed on the fence. And of course, that gap opened up and savaged the line between the two Godolphin runners. So enormous win. Well done to the Japs. They're too good again. Very well said, mate. Very, very well said. You're spot on. It is very lucky that uh, Frosty's safe. Obviously, Amelia's safe as well. I, even for her to to talk about the horse that she is, she got smashed from both sides and then 50 metres past the post, she's managed to find herself just about in front. So she's just yeah. an unbelievable animal. Melbourne Cup. Now, this was a really, really obviously an interesting race. We said the top sort of six or seven horses in this race were of real quality. Without a fight, wins the Caulfield Cup, Melbourne Cup double, the first horse to do it, I believe, since 2007, I want to say. This is just a huge, huge win. Um, Mark Zara has made the right choice by hopping off Gold Trip and sticking with Without a Fight. Our question marks were the 3,200. He absolutely destroyed us with that. He just said, yep, yeah, I could probably yeah. 4,000 and still beat these people. Unbelievable. Sulkham was very stiff in behind, which I'm sure you'll touch on, but... Um, all honours to the winner. I'm going to leave the second place to you. Yeah, well, let's obviously touch on the winner. Mark Zara just continues to look like a genius. He's hopped back and forth between these horses and just got the job done every time. So well done to him and well done to the Freemans. We gave them a good rap leading in in our preview podcast. And we said that this horse was always going to be a chance. We were just taking the opinion that based off last year's run, it just wasn't going to get the trip. But it's just so shows you the job that the trainers have done with this horse to get it up to get it fit enough firstly to run 3,200 and to peak even coming off a winter campaign where it had those peak runs to keep it at its top for that long is just an enormous training effort. So well done to the Freedmans. 
I'm not even going to bash on Joe Marrera because I've done it many, many times. Um, I'm not going to sit here and be a, a couch jockey and say, oh, you should have done this or that. It's just part of the game. Personally, I wasn't playing big on the on the uh, the cup itself. It just wasn't that type of race where you could step in with a real firm investment. So I wanted to leave it alone. But just watching him try to get that run on Sulkin was just painful. And I, I'm almost certain the more I watched it, Ned, that the horse would have won. I know it was a margin in the end, but Sulkin would have won the, the Melbourne Cup. And then I go back and watch the Caulfield Cup as well. I'm pretty sure he would have gone close to winning that run with the with the better running transit. So I'm, I feel for the connections. I know they they do well most of them. Those colours, yeah, um, so they, they're not they they're, they're not some of the worst off. Let's just say that. But um, I do feel for them in this instance because I'm absolutely certain that the horse would have won the Melbourne Cup. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say I feel for Aussie Kerr, but that's okay. It's good to hear. <laughs> Honestly, though, you, you do feel for the horse and the trainers as yeah. well. Like it's, it's just flattening, especially when those big races and you've got a horse peaking and running super for you as well. Get them there and you're not sure still after the race. Mate, this weekend, Champions Day, we had a chat during the week. Like Derby Day is unbelievable in terms of what its history is, what's behind it, what everything that goes into Derby Day and what it's become. 100,000 people there. Cup Day is obviously awesome as well, but there's sort of the one good race. Then you get to Champions Day, and there's a real good reason why this is called Champions Day. You've got the best the best sprinters, best milers, best 2,000-meter horses. Obviously, there's some horses that aren't running, but this is pretty good. There's going to be a couple of very, very good races for the weekend. Yeah, definitely. And with the mole race as well, that wasn't always on this day. So, you know, let's go back two to three years ago, it was on Derby Day itself. So it's added to the mystique of this day. And uh, like you say, Ned, you could just go bang, bang, bang. And we've got some very good bets coming up this weekend. So looking forward to it. Now, the rail was in the true for day one and it played a little bit leaderish, but I don't feel like that was a huge contribution in terms of the rail. I think that win combined with the rail were the two factors. Now, Cup Day, what did they do Cup Day? Did they keep it in the true? Cup Day went out two. Went out two. And Oaks Day today, they went out five. And for those that watched the races today at Flemington, they were getting an absolute mile away from the fence. So this weekend, they're actually going out. Well, I'd suspect they're going out to eight and nine. They haven't posted it yet last time I checked. But just following the pattern of what they normally do year on year, they tend to push it out another three to four metres this weekend. So... Let's wait and see what they do in terms of the weather. It's a, it's a uh, soft five at the moment. However, there's fine weather predicted. So expect an upgrade. It's pretty warm down in Melbourne over the next couple of days. So hopefully we're looking at a good fall. The rail will be out. Let's just say eight or nine. Um, so they will be getting a fair way off the fence and be careful of those horses drawn towards the inside. I remember a couple of years ago, I went to Oaks Day with a friend of mine and we were alive in the last leg of the quaddy. We had a Godolphin horse in the quaddy, $5 chance, hit the front with about 200 to go. And then I'm talking, this horse was just about in the grandstand, thermal current, $31 <laughs> down the outside, knocked us off by half a head and took us out of the quaddy. <laughs> they get very wide at the end of these carnivals. I'll, I can still see that race in my head. It's fucking haunting forever. <laughs> I mean, no, it doesn't. Not at all. We're going to go through the races, though. So races four through to eight, I believe, we are doing in Melbourne. So we've got the three group ones on the weekend. And then there's a couple of good races in and around it as well. And then we're going to do the invitation at Rose Hill as well, which is shaping up to be a fantastic race too. So 
Race mm-hmm. four, Queen Elizabeth Stakes over 2,600. Mira Master is top of the market, 390 with Duke de Sessa. Luncey's is $9 with So Dazzling. A Maid is 11s. He's a shocker, 15s with Regal Power and Tara Mansour. Ladies Man, 20 bucks with Cucaracha and Pesto. Third Realm is 31s with Port Phillip and Knight's Order. Gee whiz, this time last year, he wouldn't have been 60s, but he is this time. And he's going forward, and he looks like the sole leader at that. Regal Power led them up last time, can go forward as well. Cucaracha, Port Phillip are the other two. Potentially Muramasa from that middle barrier can come forward, and hopefully Daniel Moore gives it a good steer, just like he did last time. I'm going to back up on the horse. It's now third up, going for the hat-trick. Arrives in a field where a lot of these horses just aren't in form. You mentioned Knight's Order. A lot of these horses are just not going as well as they once were. Muramasa is the horse that's lightly raced, still on the up. We're not sure if it's even seen its top yet. It's got the win first and second up. Daniel Moore gave it a, gave it a great steer last time out over 2,000 at Caulfield. Waited for the gap to appear as a nice patient ride. And once that gap appeared, the horse took it. He's a bit of a grinder, but he only needed that 100 you know, to 150 metres to put the race to bed. So he's got the scalp of, uh, I can't pronounce the, the horse's name, Greg, Greg and Limo, who went around today. He's a well-fancied runner and comes in with a lot of support. Beat it uh, twice its last two starts. So there's a bit of an opinion around for it. Beat Diamond as well, who's a horse that's not hopeless. Comes into a field here that's very, very winnable. It's seen his trip before or 2,500-metre trip uh, being at the Derby where it ran well last year this time. So 2,600 metres, no issue, third up, fit, and Daniel Moore sticks. I think it's the bet here at $4. I'm going to have a little same-race multi, Miramasa and Luntzies to both run top four. It'll be around that $2.50, $3 mark. Luntzies bringing in some form with Interpretation, who actually ran really, really well in the Cup, was fourth in that race at Bendigo, about a length, half a length behind them. So I'm going to throw those in a little same-race, but... Very small betting race for me. Race five is the Matriarch. It's over 2,000 metres. We've got Deny Knowledge backing up from the weekend. I feel like this horse has been up for six years, but five dollars mm. top of the market. Pearl of Alsace is $5.50. Steinem is $6.50. Osmo, seven with the Lassophile. Then we got Mustang Valley at 12s. Amakura is 14s with Papillon Club. Sole Choice is there at $19 with Shiza Con. Noah and... Noah and a deal is $27. A fair, a souvre is 46 and premise rounds them out. So choice and deny knowledge to go forward. Obviously deny knowledge being on the quick backup. I just feel like this week screams a flat run from me. This horse did all the chasing, uh, trying to catch up with pride of Jenny on the weekend. I'm just not sure if that's the setup here, especially with soul choice. That's likely to take it on. Papillon club to go forward with Pearl of Alsace coming up from New Zealand as well. Uh, I think Osmos can boot up from the inside. So they're probably the first four or five in running. The horse I want to begin with is Steinem. I feel like she's got a class edge on this field. And obviously, John Allen is sticking with this horse throughout the campaign. I do think she deserves respect in a, in a pretty even affair. Two back, she got back in the stock stakes and just never got into it when um, obviously Deny Knowledge took off and just could not get anywhere near them. And then she improved really sharply going up to 2,000 metres third up. That was at Caulfield and she ran really well, settled a touch closer than she normally would have. I'm hoping staying at the 2000 now, she can keep herself nice and close from the, the middle barrier. Johnny Allen can give her the dig out of the gate to get her nice and, and handy. So like I said, I think she's got a genuine class edge. She's going to be the on top selection here. I want to save on Amakura, who's a Queensland Oaks winner last campaign and was putting together some really good wins up there. First up running the angst over a mile. It was an okay run. It was just a bit of a pass mark though. And she's not really a first up performer anyway. So 
I'm expecting sharp improvement and she obviously comes across from Sydney, which is always the superior form. I'm expecting some pretty good improvement out of her and D Oliver goes on now from the wide barrier. So she's going to be my saver, but the uh, main bet will be Steinem. And with Steinem as well, I've got a pretty good opinion of this girl. Um, $6.50, I think is a reasonable price as well. As you mentioned, you'd have to think this horse has a fair bit of class on the rest of this field in behind Miramasa, who you like in the race before that was a good run that day. And, Bit suspect about these top two in the market as well. I don't yeah. think my knowledge runs around a five dollar chance in my in, in terms of how I would rate this race. Um, question about the New Zealand horse. It's obviously coming through a Group One race over a similar trip, so over the two thousand as well in New Zealand. McDonald on board four forty out to five fifty. Is it just one of those ones where they don't know where to place it? Do you think? I'm not sure about that form, Ned. And the reason I say that is because ladies' man lines up in the race before at 20 to 1. There you go. Also had the start off the back of that Group 1 win in New Zealand and was beaten five and a half lengths by Carla Paul. So I would say not. There you go. It's the McDonald factor, you'd have to say. First of the Group 1s, it's the Starley Sprint. And this is always an absolutely ripping race. It's over 1,200 metres. And top of the market, who else would it be? Imperatrice, $1.90. She comes here. They've decided to actually do something a little bit different than just run around the valley. In secret is $4.60 next line. As Fura is there at $11. Bella Nipotina is 12s. Espiona comes down from Sydney. We know she likes the Melbourne way of going, but does she like the straight? That's the big question. $16. Yeah. Star Patrol, the horses won two on the bounce, is 17 Buenos Noches after it's run in the Everest is $23. Front page 26, Airman is on the same line with Lofty Strike at 50s. And Cess Magic, my God, this is a big step up, 101. Great race, this. And front page to go forward, the Kosciuszko winner first up, obviously. Aspora can show speed as well. Bella Nipotina won't be too far away. And I'll quickly move on from that horse off the back of what happened on the weekend. Star Patrol and Imperatrice, who settled forward last time. Baby by default, she just left really well. And Opie Bosson just had her up there uh, bowling along. So she can just settle nice and handy again. Just sit off these leaders and press the button when needed. She's obviously going to be super hard to beat. And I'll let you give her the airtime she deserves, Ned. But just going super well and arguably the best, the best sprinter we've got in the country at the moment. She does meet a couple here that do bring a bit of X factor. I think one of those is in secret. Her closing sectionals in the Everest were just ridiculous. She had absolutely no right to get anywhere near those front three in the end. She's only ended up less than a length and a half off them. So it was just a super run. She now gets J-Mac on board. She loves the stray. She's two from two, 1200 at Flemington. The riding is on the wall. She's only fourth up. So there may even be improvement off that Everest run. And we know that she was only at 1,011 metres first and second up. So you had to think, that there's still more in the tank. She's not deeper into the campaign like a lot of these runners are. So I think she's at a very attractive price, paying a ton of respect to the favourite. I think the market will tell you all you need to know with Imperatrix, but I'm happy to back up with In Secret. Just off the back of what she did in the Everest, I think she's going to be a very, very big chance getting back up the straight. Had I not seen this horse be versatile, I always thought this horse, I had it pegged as a back marker. I've now seen the horse go forward and just be absolutely ridiculous and never re leave second or third gear. I'm convinced this horse is the best sprinter we've got. I really do believe that. I think $1.90 is a really, really good price considering I know the class of this field, it bats extremely deep, but I just think for me, $1.90, I'm on. I really like the $1.90 here. 
I think the market is spot on. I think Imperatrice is the winner. I think In Secret is definitely the second best horse. And I think Asfura and Bella Nipotina will fill in the mine as one of those two. Star Patrol, potentially one of those knockout ones that's on the up. Imperatrice is just flying. She's absolutely invincible, this girl at the moment. They've really sort of set her preparation around target races. They haven't gone for the massive prize money. They haven't traveled her back and forth from different states. They've just said, no, we're going to make a real home for ourselves down here in Melbourne. And we're just going to run two or three times and try and win three group ones. I think they'll do it on the weekend. For sure. You feel like they've pulled the right rein with her the whole prep along and everybody's pointing at them going, why didn't you go to the Everest? And they're just sitting back laughing. Yeah, absolutely. Why run potentially fourth there in a messy race when we can guarantee two or three group ones? Champions Mile. Well, it's always interesting because the markets are often the same for the McKinnon as they are for the Champions Mile. A lot of the horses go back and forth. The trainers don't even know where they're going to go. And then the fields come out and that's when you get excited and you see a couple of real quality animals top the market here in the mile. Obviously, it's over 1,600 metres for any mathematicians out there. The mile means 1,600. Mr. Brightside, $2.70, top of the market. Fangirl is there, next line, 280. Alligator Blood is 350. Then we've got the Empire Rose winner is $16, so a huge gap in a small field. The inevitable 23s, Victoria Road is 27s, and Banker's Choice is 61s. But, mate, we spoke about this pre-pod. What is with these vultures? I know it's disgusting. You've got three horses that are basically $3.50 and below. So if you're able to pick the winner out of those three, and that's not even accounting for the class outside of them, the inevitable pride of Jenny are all very, very good horses on their day. If you even put those aside and you just find the winner out of those three, you get an absolutely no price at all. So surely the market, once we get to Saturday, will identify one of these and you'll be able to get a price if you are taking the eventual favorite on. But Looking at the odds today, they've sort of been going back and forth, Fangirl and Mr. Brightside in particular. I think at the moment, you mentioned Fangirl's probably still heads the market, but just looking around, they are sort of going back and forth. So every time we we sort of touch on them, they're sort of swapping favouritism. So it's good to see a good betting race. But like I say, Ned, it's uh, it's a bit gutless from the bookies. But in terms of the speed, Mac, prior to Jenny to go forward, we know what she does. She's led each, each of her last four or five starts and she's just going to try and keep going as she did on the weekend. Alligator Blood obviously won this race last year. He's not going to be too far away. He'll just park on Pride of Jenny's outside. Or if she takes off, he'll just do the same as he did with Deny Knowledge and just let her take off and sit two, two to three lengths behind and try and bring everything else uh, behind them. Mr. Brightside to come forward as well with Victoria Rowe can also settle handy. I'm with Fangirl Ned. She's just going to sit out the back, watch everything unfold. She had absolutely no luck at all. Unfortunately, Putin just couldn't get her anywhere near some semblance of clear air in the Cox plate. She just could not get anywhere near them, unfortunately, and never got asked for that maximum effort. She now drops back to the mile, her pet trip. It looks like she's going to get a good deck on the weekend, which we know she enjoys. You go two back to that King's Charles, where she's just destroyed Mr. Brightside on the day and just left him for dead at the 400. Now comes back to the scene of the crime. The main horse she's got to beat is Mr. Brightside, which we know, or we feel like we know that she's got his measure. So... I think with that being the case, the market's going to identify her. I'm going to be on board. J-Mac jumps back on. I'm all over it and very keen. I'm keen as well. I can't tip alligator blood, put it that way. And after seeing what I saw in that King Charles, albeit they are now back in Melbourne, I think Fangirl's got to be the one. Um, 
super, super run in that Mooney Valley, at Mooney Valley in the Cox Plate. I know she was barely touched. We got no idea how close she might have finished if that race was run on a bigger track. But I think back here at Flemington, 1600, maybe a good four, soft five at worst. I think she gets conditions to favour. I'm hoping we get around the $3 mark on the weekend. I think that'd be really, really good. She opened 235. She's out to 280 and Brightside's been the one they've actually backed. Mm. I think I think the market's about right in terms... I think they are even. I think they're quite even, these two. With the even prices, I'm very happy to be with Fangirl. Last race we're going to cover in Melbourne is the Tab Champion Stakes. It's over 2,000 metres. And look, this is absolutely stacked. For me, it's probably the race of the three. I know you, you were saying similar just before we came on here, but to say that with the fields that we've just gone through says a bit. West Wind Blows, obviously coming out of that second in the Caulfield Cup behind the eventual Caulfield Cup and Melbourne Cup winner, $2.80 leads the market. Saki is there at $5. Prowess coming off her Mooney Valley win is 6 Jewess out of the Cox Plate is $6.50 and a tissue backing up is $8. Buckaroo 23s with Montefilia. Wetor is 41s with Young Berta and Pinstriped. Zarek is $46. Geez, there's a couple of those little, is it Russian or German or what do I like to say? The old Verta and Hueto. Yeah, you're loving them though, Ned. You're fucking nailing them these days, mate. Great to see. Zaki to go forward from the wide barrier, potentially lead them up. I'm not sure if West Wind Blaze will hand up. I know that Jamie Spencer will want to be aggressive from two and try and use that barrier. I wouldn't be surprised if he tries to hold the fence from Zaki and just keep it on the outside and not allow that horse to dictate. Prowess will probably be one out, one back, or maybe on the fence in the box seat. Zarek to go forward and Young Werther can be nice and handy as well, but the rest normally get back and try and find their spots. The horse I want to touch on first, and you mentioned this is a superb race. You can look a number of different angles at this race, but I just think Jewess was so good in the Cox Plate. It was that sort of hit and run where she was 30 to one. There wasn't much market expectation, but Ollie just couldn't get the run. And similar to Fangirl, but even more glaringly, I thought, he was there ready to press the button whenever she got that clear air and it just never came, unfortunately. And the horse just was hard held all the way through the line and only finished a couple of lengths off them in the end. It was a great run. I think that was really encouraging because you and I, Ned, before the podcast, weren't sure she was up to that sort of class. Now we know that she is. She would have taken massive benefit of that. She stays at the 2,000 metres. She's going to get a nice firm deck, ideally. She can also angle that away from the fence, which I think they're going to be doing. She can get back, save the energy, and just, you know, hopefully finish off late. Ollie goes on board. <clears throat> I'm pretty sure this is going to be his last group one in Melbourne. Ned, correct me if I'm wrong. It is. But this is the last group one of the carnival. I know he's going to go to WA at the end of the year and, and have his railway stakes, et cetera. But in terms of where he's really made his bread and butter, this is, this is it. This is his last group one. This is his last big hurrah. So I think he's going to be absolutely locked in to give and do us every chance. And I'm happy to be on her. I don't want to leave out West Wind Blows, a horse that we've both had a big opinion of. I did, um, or you tipped it close to favourite uh, in the Caulfield Cup. I had it in my numbers, went really well that day. And obviously, without a fight's come and Frank the form. So that horse will be up on speed. They'll angle away from the fence, like I say. But Jamie Spence is a good, strong rider. And I'm expecting that horse to go very close as well. It's probably the best form in the country at the moment for this sort of distance. And you'd have to say West Wind Blows is a very, very deserved favourite at $2.80. I think Zaki, $5, I think that's bottomed out for me. I don't think I want to touch $5 there. I agree. Unfortunately, I agree again, Jacko. I, I like Jewess. I thought that run in the Cox Plate was just marvellous. 
who knows? She might have been a chance of winning that race if she got some clear air. And she's won at this venue, run at this track as well. She won an Australian Cup about a year and a half ago when we were on as well that day. So $6.50 here, happy to play. I find it interesting you haven't mentioned a tissue. I thought she was a very, very good run on the weekend considering the track pattern and the way everything raced. I understand you, you believe it's a little bit of a gut buster type run, but I think on the quick backup, Waller obviously thinks he can get a kill here. $8, I don't want to be losing if she wins. Yeah, you don't doubt the boss. I'm just looking at three or four of those runners, Pride of Jenny, Deny Knowledge, and the horse he just touched on a tissue. I'm just a little bit concerned the speed of that race. If it's a similar setup where there is speed on, they're going to struggle to handle that pressure again. So I'm just taking the opinion with the risk, obviously, that it's going to be a bit of a, a flat second up run or, or bounce back run on the quick backup. Now, we are all done for Flemington. We're done for the carnival, the spring carnival down there. And look, Peter Volandis, we always mention his name. He does such a brilliant job. He's given us the five diamonds over 1,800 in Sydney as well. Happy for me just to go straight through the race here. Jacko, what's the rail doing really quickly? Plus three, good downpour today. So expect a soft five at least, but hot days expected for Sydney the next couple of days. So wouldn't be surprised to see an upgrade again. It's over 1,800 metres, the five diamonds. Antino is top of the market, $2.80. Democracy Manifest is $8. Unspoken Next Line, 10s with Jimi Hendrix and Detonator Jacket, 13s. Palmetto is 15s with Waterford. Huda Marl is 16s and Hope in Your Heart is there as well. Hinged, 18 bucks. Faulkner Park is 19s with Zoom on. Converge, 26. St. Lawrence, 34s. Touristic is 61s. And Regal Lion rounds them out at $3 billion. Even speed expected for 1,800 metres. I think Zumon goes forward. St. Lawrence, if it gets a start, goes in. Hinge can probably boot across with Huyamal from the outside. Antino and Palmetto, both last start winners, uh, or Antino should have won last start, I should say, are both going to go forward <laughs> and put themselves into the race as well. Another moral beaten there. We're becoming a bit of a theme. On with Democracy Manifest. I think Nash is a, is a jock that's in form. He lost his ways a bit, a bit for a couple of weeks and had a couple of uh, butcher jobs, but the class that he has, he come back and, and shown that he's still the boss in Sydney. So I'm happy to back up. I think this horse is at an attractive price. Two back arguably goes close to winning that Epsom. The horse is climbing all over them over the concluding stages. Then went to the Five Diamonds Prelude last time out of a 1,500 and was absolutely charging home between runners. It's a horse that possesses a really, really strong straight line speed over 400 metres. Uh, Waller's given it the three weeks between runs, so I think it's ready to peak now up to the 1,800. Look out late. Hope in your heart, I also can't leave out of the $16. Uh, just an absolutely strange ride last time out from TC. And I hate to always talk about rides, but it was a strange ride last time out in that Empire Rose. Unfortunately, just never gave the horse any chance. She's a horse that deserves a change of luck. She now gets Josh Parr, who's high in confidence after his Golden Eagle win. So that horse will get back and look to run on as well. But if they're getting away from the fence, I think also look out late. I think Antino is the class of the field. He hasn't gone up to 1,800 metres before, but the way that he races, he's sort of that real dour, big type of horse. You'd have to think he'll probably get it. I'm going to let him go around in a big field here over with the $2.80 price tag. Again, I'm sorry, mate, but I'm with you. Democracy Manifest tipped him a couple, a couple of weeks ago when the track just was not in his favour at all. He gets back. That's mm. his style. The track really has to be on for him to probably win races like this. You know what he's going to do? He's going to flop out the back. He's going to absolutely rattle home. He'll probably finish third. 
He's probably an excellent place bet. He's coming out of that, obviously, that Epsom and then his run on the weekend. He took to the last 200 metres to get going, like, and then yeah. he still runs fourth. So he's got all the talent in the world. And as you mentioned, the right jockey on board, he's 16 into $8, this guy. So yeah. hopefully he gets out a little bit more. So the $3.50, the place we can get, that'd be a lot nicer than the 270. But think a gun yeah. place bet and looking forward to seeing this race it's a new one so you've got a sort of i don't know a bit of history to be made as always for sure i think nash should be coming home and trying to take the big cash again mate now best western it won recently didn't it dollar 95 we got it done and that's what it's all about here we just want to tick boxes we want to get things done yeah. this weekend i've got a good feeling about this weekend and i've got yeah. a better feeling about what's about to come out of your mouth well, we're actually shooting for the hat trick, Ned. Don't forget. So this is for three on the bounce. So we are traveling. The best Western is back. Just keep bolting them up, guys. Like I say, make sure you stay upright. We're going to race six. They are still out at Ascot. So this is the Ascot season where they go for 40 weeks in a row out there. So good to see. We're on with Pikey. Race six, number one, Casino 17, drawn barrier one. He was super first up over 1,600 meters. Pike took him by the car park. He took him way out wide and the horse looked like he was going to win and round them up and go straight past them, but just peaked on the run. He's probably one run short that time. He now meets a very similar field, but he steps up to 1,800 metres now. So he's going to be well suited. Pike can save the energy and pick off that sort of inside run, which we know he can do. Highly confident this horse can get it done. It's $2.40 on the weekend. So I'd be taking that now, knowing the way they back Pike. And this horse has obviously got a, a bit of a class edge on the field. So... A horse that I've backed a couple of times on the on the Best Western before and done really well for us. So time to come back to the well and get another collect on uh, Casino 17. That's race six, number one. Mate, I'll be piling in. It'll be my last bet for the next six months. So <laughs> <laughs> glad to hear. Pikey, bring it home. I've got to say really quickly, I was out at Ascot last weekend and what a setup. I really, really was impressed by that track. The way it's set up, the way that everything works, they had bands playing. It was just a really good atmosphere there. So a bit of credit to the people over on the gravel tracks over there. Jacko, mate, I, I seriously do mean this. It has been such a pleasure to be able to do this together this week. We've done three podcasts, which is just a mammoth effort, considering we're not on holidays. We're in the midst of life and everything is really busy and ramping up as we everyone tries to cram things in before Chrissy. Mate, absolute pleasure. I just absolutely love doing it with you, mate. Nothing better, mate. It's what we love. We know the punters love it as well. So keep the messages piling in. We absolutely love it. So good luck, punters, for the for the GF, the last one. We fight back. See you, Jacko. Correct. See you, mate.